My name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. Today, I'm going to talk to you about a few teams of scientists who have discovered that sacred sites do contain unusual energies and cause special effects on human beings. There's even some evidence that prehistoric man had an intuitive understanding of energy. One of the most intriguing aspects of ancient and prehistoric sites is the claim, usually made by dowsers, that they contain a special and palpable energy. Author and researcher Paul Devereaux, author of The Lay Hunter and many other titles associated with earth energies, decided to investigate this possibility and set up the Dragon Project, later called the Dragon Project Trust, a charity. He set it up in 1977 to study whether certain prehistoric sites had unusual forces or energies associated with them. The project is thought to have taken its name from the Chinese system of Fang Shui, which depicts the primal earth force as dragon energy. Devereaux set up camp at the Roll Wright Stone Circle in Oxfordshire in the UK, together with a collection of dowsers, scientists, and sensitives who employed a battery of scientific tests to attempt to measure these energies. In the early 1980s, they enlisted Rodney Hale, the retired head of a design company and the designer of electronics equipment, including devices to detect and measure extra low frequency or ELF waves. Hale subsequently built whatever measuring equipments were required to measure radioactivity plus ultrasonic electrostatic electromagnetic, magnetic, and ELF energy. What the Dragon Project team discovered was not an exotic new type of subtle energy, but certain distinct differences in the geomagnetic energy at Rollwright. Magnetometer and Geiger counter readings provided hard evidence of anomalous readings in the geomagnetic energy and natural background radiation at the site. They also found infrared and ultrasonic effects at other sacred sites. According to Hale, the first great discovery was that the length of road passing besides the stones was radioactive to the extent of up to eight times the normal background rate, no doubt due to a foundation of active granite chippings. This stretch of road was where visions or hallucinations had been reported from time to time. Could there be a connection with increased radioactivity? There were variations in the radioactivity around the stones, but not in any particular pattern I felt important, he continued. I could never find the pulsing ultrasonic signals previously reported to incur at sunrise. 
But there were two special occasions. Just once, a strong twittering response was obtained at one point on one stone. Then on another occasion, a general weak signal was found over the area. On the extra low frequency side, a very unexpected signal was picked up on a number of occasions in quite localized areas, Hale continued. It would appear from nothing, sounding rather like waves washing on the shore, become stronger, then die away after about a half an hour. If one walked slowly along, there would be peaks and troughs of signal amplitude at about one foot intervals. Taking this effect as indicative of a standing wave, then the frequency would be way up in the megahertz, he said, which I'm sure my equipment would not be capable of receiving. In some places, the signal would be present over as small a distance as six feet. Standing waves are reflections of sound waves back and forth between two surfaces. The wave's termed a standing wave because it doesn't appear to move as it's being reflected at both ends, rather like a taut jump rope being shaken at one end, which produces identical and fixed numbers of loops because of interference of waves. That is the waves bumping into each other, coming from each end. Standing waves usually occur at base frequencies and are worse in small rooms. The sound is reflected back and forth and is either much louder or softer than it should be, depending on where you are in the room. Devereaux and his colleagues concluded that fissures in the Earth's crust might account for these strange energies. Nevertheless, other evidence suggests that some of the special energies could be man-made. This is not the first time that human emotion has affected Geiger counter readings, says Hale. He discovered studies from the 1950s showing that human emotion had affected Geiger counter readings. U.S. physicist William Tiller had also produced evidence with a gas discharge device to show that human intention was able to affect the machine. The Dragon team then decided to examine the effects of these sites on humans, largely because it's assumed that these sites had been used for mass rituals and even shamanic practices. In their next project, the DreamWork program, Devereaux and his colleagues tested the historical evidence and folklore claiming that visionary experiences occur at ancient sacred sites. Certainly there's much historical documentation concerning the oracle at Delphi, the most important shrine in ancient Greece, where Pythia, the priestess of Apollo, and many others supposedly had visions of the future. The dragon team decided to focus on four lesser known sites, a holy hill in the Priscilla range in Wales, and three sites in Cornwall, both in the UK, a Neolithic dolmen, a Celtic holy well, and an Iron Age underground passage and chamber, now referred to as a souterrain by archaeologists. To determine whether the spirit of place might affect human consciousness, Devereaux decided to test 
whether the dreams at particular sites had components common among all the dreamers that could be decoded and identified as belonging to that place. He wondered whether the spirit of place could affect a mind at its most meditative state, or even whether some energy memory remained in these exotic locations that a dreamer might tune into. The key was to determine whether the dreams these places revealed had site-specific components. Could a statistically significant number of the coded dreams be identified as relating to the sites at which they took place? Was there something about the physical nature of the sites that influenced the dreams experienced at them? He was also examining whether the geophysical anomalies of the places affected the dreaming mind. The Dragon Project had already discovered through some of their research that a high level of background radiation could cause brief but vivid hallucinations. For this investigation, Devereaux enlisted veteran dream researcher, Dr. Stanley Krippner from the Saybrook Institute in San Francisco, who had led the famous Mamadides hospital dream studies, offering some of the best evidence of ESP and dreaming ever amassed. Dowsers, sensitives, and ordinary members of the public of all ages from 17 to 70 volunteered to sleep outdoors at these sacred sites and to keep a careful record of their dreams. Each volunteer had an experimental partner whose job it was to stay awake while the participant slept. As soon as the participant entered rapid eye movement, sleep, his partner would awaken him and tape record the sleeper's report of his dreams. The volunteers also recorded reports of dreams they'd had at home to serve as controls. These were transcribed and sent to Krippner for analysis. Dr. Krippner gathered the data amassed and began to analyze and code them. The results were then given to a panel that was unfamiliar with the dreams. The panel's job was to judge the data according to a strict scientific protocol. In June 2003, Dr. Krippner, Paul Devereaux, and Adam Fish published the results of the dreams of 35 volunteers who'd spent between one and four nights sleeping at the four sacred sites. The two judges enlisted to analyze the 206 reports of dreams at home and at sacred sites using a special independent system called a staunch scale, which offers specific criteria for identifying magical, bizarre, or paranormal elements of dreams. Of the 103 site dream reports, Nearly half, that's 46 reports, fell into one of the staunch categories compared with less than a third, that's 31 reports, of those dreamed at home. That was considered a significant effect. But the most significant part of all was that the material gathered ultimately demonstrated that different dreamers were picking up similar dream themes at one of the four sites, suggesting that collective energy might reside at the site and was somehow being transmitted to the different dreamers sleeping there. This evidence offers the intriguing suggestion that sacred places do indeed have sacred and different energies. 
one of the most intriguing explanations of a sacred site spirit of place is the deliberate creation of structures that create reverberating energy. In the early 1990s, the late Robert John, former Dean of Engineering at Princeton University and the architect of the Pear Lab, accompanied Paul Devereaux on an informal tour of certain Ashkenazi Indian sites in the American Southwest. He was struck by the acoustical resonances of many of the kivas, ceremonial meeting places, and other special sites, and wondered whether other prehistoric structures might have also been similarly designed. He, Devereaux, and Michael Ibison, a pair colleague, decided to test this hypothesis by investigating the sound waves at six ancient sacred sites in the UK. They chose a number of burial mounds of various shapes, mostly created circa 3,500 BC. Wayland Smithy in Berkshire, a multi-chambered structure within a trapezoidal burial mound in Berkshire. Chunquat, a trapezoidal chamber in Cornwall. Cairn L, a multi-chambered irregular stone passage tomb in Ireland. Cairn I, an elliptical arrangement of seven subchambers, also in Ireland. Newgrange, a long, narrow, cross-shaped chamber, again in Ireland, and Cairn Uni, a beehive-shaped chamber in Cornwall. For their test, the scientists created an omnidirectional loudspeaker, an amplifier system that could manually track the frequency and amplitude patterns of sound at the various sites. They placed their equipment on the floor or on a short tripod, roughly at the center of each site's chamber. They then moved through the lower audible ranges of sound until they produced the lowest natural resonance of the cavity, which was immediately evident as the chamber would noticeably reverberate. They then moved up through to the highest comfortable level of sound, usually between 100 and 110 decibels, and took measurements of the standing wave patterns. Despite the very different shapes of all the mounds being tested, the experimenters discovered well-defined and predictable resonance frequencies at every site of between 95 and 110 hertz. Furthermore, resonant standing waves occurred on the outer walls as well, as these resonant frequencies are within the reign of the adult male voice. It's likely that forms of human chanting were used during rituals of the mounds and would have been enhanced by the resonance within the chambers. Incredibly, primitive drawings found on the chamber walls bore a similarity to the standing wave patterns observed by the team, demonstrating that primitive man had some understanding of sound waves. A number of the sketches featured concentric circles, ellipses or spirals that resemble modern acoustical sound mapping. In other examples, the drawings show sine waves or zigzags, which are similar to the shapes of waves. At Newgrange, the experimenters found zigzag patterns on the Western subchamber walls, showing exactly the same number of peaks and troughs as the resonant standing wave pattern 
mapped from the center of the chamber. Although John and Devereux could only speculate as to how early man achieved this, it appears likely that certain standing stones were positioned in key places to enhance such resonances and suppress other sound waves. It may well be that some of the special energies recorded at these sacred sites are man-made, the result of primitive man's intuitive understanding of energy. And speaking of the power of invisible energy, today I'm thrilled to announce that the doors have officially opened for registrations to my long-awaited course, The Power of Eight Intention Masterclass. I'm inviting you to join me and a select group of students on a year-long intensive journey into the secrets of intention and the power of eight. During the whole of 2021, I will show you how to unleash the power you hold inside yourself to use both to heal and improve every aspect of your life. You can make this the year that you finally sort out a long-standing health issue, launch a new and exciting career, make all relationships more loving and fulfilling, get your finances on an even keel with a steady abundant flow of money, identify the thoughts and past issues that hold you back, find your life's true purpose, and much more. My once a year course can help you do all of the above as it has done for thousands of others while finding your own loving tribe and helping them to heal their own lives too. And if you book now, you can enjoy our special early bird price and claim an immediate, amazing $200 saving on the standard entry price. Here's how it works. I begin with a six-week live and interactive webinar course. That's 12 hours of teaching and experiential learning in total. Then place all the members of the class into groups of eight or so to meet for an entire year under my ongoing supervision. And that's not all. After our course finishes, I'll be helping you throughout the year through special monthly intention clinics where I answer questions, have you practice and hone your skills, and offer you in-depth personalized feedback so that you finish the year with a great deal of intention mastery. But that's only the beginning of your year-long journey of transformation. The real work's done when you become part of a Power of Eight group. From the start, my team will put you in a small group with other masterclass members compatible with your time zone. You'll meet with them virtually via Skype or Zoom regularly under my ongoing supervision and guidance and just watch the miracles unfold. Your group will become your intention family to have your back and help you heal, a situation more important than ever during this pandemic time. You'll never walk alone again. So this could be your intention tribe with you as the healing miracle, but places are strictly limited due to the capacity of the technology. So make sure to book your place today and please don't delay. I only run this course once a year and it always sells out early. To find out more, just go to my website, lynnmctaggart.com and click on the link at the top of the page directing you to the power of eight Intention Masterclass 2021. This is Lynn McTaggart talking to you about living the new science. Thanks for listening to me, and I look forward to connecting again. Bye for now.